0: Hey, Jay. Hey, Tyler. How you doing? I'm so great. For the dear listeners at home, I'm starting something up here in Studio North. This is our second uh, in person session. Mm-hmm. We release podcasts regularly, but you know, the second session. And I put the lid to my current pumpkin spice latte ah. on top of the well, that's lid. That's a different of lid, my... though. Look at that. Yeah, that's last time's. Yeah, but so it's like, like a different ago. shape. Well, yeah, because last time I had uh, Dunkin' Donuts, remember? Oh, that's true. Dear that's listeners true. will remember. So yeah. I'm just going to start a, um, I'll take a picture on, and post it mm-hmm. on the Instagram. Make the tower. I'm going to make a whole tower of pumpkin spice latte lids. I like this. Okay,
1: I have a question for you. Yes, sir. a proper question. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit later about um, some unknown things. Yes. So my question is this. If you were able to go to a fortune teller Mm -hmm. that was reputable. Yes. (laughs) You know, none of these None of these back alley (laughs) fortune tellers. Um, And they were able to, to, there was like a robot from the future, let's say that. Yeah. And and it's a genie. A genie robot from the future. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> comes forward and says, <laughs> "I totally will believable. I will give you uh one I will answer one question mm. of of the future for you. Like about your future. Yeah. Uh it could be like when you're going to die. It could be like anything that you would like to know for certain and it's not like a it's not like probably like this is an exact thing like the, the day you're gonna die or when you're gonna die like that seems to be the classic thing but what is one bit of information
0: mm-hmm.
1: that you would like to know that you think would make your life between now and the time you die better mm-hmm. or maybe you're just so curious that you want to know
0: well so what I'm what I'm trying I'm going to I'm gonna do the process out loud, because mm-hmm. this is a podcast. You yeah. guys should hear what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, no. Take take some silent time. That, <laughs> <everybody>. Take two <laughs> minutes. Breathe Consider through it. I
0: the the immediate response that came to me was, I wanna know if my kids will be successful. And I I, and why I kept... genies
1: are tricky though, so you need to be very specific. Well, about what right, you're that's what I and, like, and successful than failing.
0: Right, like <laughs> I don't know what I mean by successful. Like I just want to know that they'll be okay. Yeah. right, that yeah. they'll be happy in whatever they're doing and, yeah. and, and living a good life. Because uh, yeah, at, at this point I feel pretty successful. Yeah, you know, wife, kids, house, yeah, that whole deal. Like I don't much care what happens beyond that. Yeah, I just want to make sure they're they make it. You yeah, know? whatever whatever American version of making it. Yeah, I'm really yeah. talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you want them to become bankers and have yeah. million dollar houses, yeah? And because uh, then
0: they're going to take care of me. Yeah. Okay, I don't care about that. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should hear the sarcasm dripping
1: through the <laughs> microphone. Folks. Anything? So, so that's your answer: is kids to be okay?
0: I mean, either that or I want to know what years the Penguins are going to win the Stanley Cup. So no,
1: no, more. What no if more? It's, What if it's no more? How would that change your life? Wow. Would you be just be done with hockey? No. You don't, uh, But you no. know that your team will never win again.
0: Well, and here's where I'm at, because that, that I, I don't need a genie. Yeah. Uh, tonight is open. Uh, the day we were recording this is opening night for the, the upcoming hockey season. I feel like season. it's
1: always opening night.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it comes around once a year. Uh, <laughs> Hockey,
1: hockey is always happening.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Listen, Mr. Baseball, 162 <laughs> games. Uh, but tonight's opening night, and I would place the Penguins' odds at winning the Stanley Cup somewhere at about 1% to 2%. Like, okay. I just don't think we okay. have it in us this year. You
1: mean tonight? Like, there's a chance that they play so well this that like, year. the hockey league is like, you know what? Here you go, Stanley Cup. This season, okay. I don't okay. think they've got it.
0: I'm still watching. It's an entertaining but yeah. I guess.
1: But if you knew... That they're let's, never say gonna a, again. let's say you were a fan of a team called the Pittsburgh Pirates. Let's and it was just it was a, a foregone conclusion. Yeah. They will never ever win again. You know, would I you watch? Be. Yeah.
0: Well that's but that's different because like baseball
1: is just not compelling to me. I mean hockey. Yeah. That's, so I mean, if you would pe- still watch even yeah. if you knew that they will never even get to the finals again.
0: There's a sweet spot too in teams. If they were the Flyers. Yeah.
1: <sighs> yeah, not that hated. Let's not be
0: ridiculous. <laughs> There's a sweet spot in sports fandoms, and you know who who has absolutely mastered this is fans of the New York Mets. Yeah, uh, where you are just perpetually not winning. Yeah, and you make fun of it. They won in our lifetime. They have, but yeah. like lately, it's been. Yeah, that's true. It's been pretty Pir- great. Pirates have not won in our no. lifetime. Oh. yeah, no, they haven't. And but the thing is like. It's a sweet spot of you have to be just close enough to successful that people believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then even when you lose it, you're kind of like, eh, yeah, well, that's just well, the that's
1: The beauty of sports is the 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 promise of next year, yep. the hope of next year. There's always and if hope. you knew that there was no next year.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a, that I mean, that's a good, because I, I even jokingly said to somebody the other day, oh, at the Pirates, there's always next year. And yep. then I went. No, there's not. No, there's not. There's it's, always
1: next year for us to be disappointed. Yeah. The Pirates are, I mean, not to turn this into a Pittsburgh sports podcast. Yeah, well, uh, why not? But the Pirates are always the closest. They're about as, as definitive as you can get because the organization just has no interest in... No. in they make money by losing. Yep. So why would they change? Uh, and the the fan base is loyal enough that they've stuck it out so far. I, I mean, it's getting to the point that they're... But Pittsburgh is just such a great fan base that yeah. they will just stick... With a terrible team that is, is not even trying to win, the like it,
0: worst. Yeah. Those fans should see it's a horrible. team actually it's win. If yeah.
1: the Steelers weren't good and the Penguins weren't good, like yeah. in general, both of them are good. They may right. not be good this year, but they're they're always they're perpetually, they always have a chance to get to the to the Stanley Cup or the Super Bowl. Yeah, and. Because of that, I think that goodwill translates over to the Pirates for a lot of the fan bases. Like, well, at least two of our three, two of the three of our teams are world-class caliber, which makes us feel like the Pirates could also be that. But the the Pirates...
0: And even like the Penguins, again, not to turn this into sports talk, but the Penguins, when they tank, are doing it on purpose. Like, Mm -hmm. in fact, have been accused of that Mm -hmm. a couple different times. Like, you're losing on purpose. Like, any time the Penguins go through a rough patch, it's so that they can start stockpiling draft picks. Yeah, yeah. And come back to again. So even when things get bad for the Pens, I'm always like, yeah, okay. That, yeah, there's that, a there's this is a good the process. process. Yeah,
1: whereas the Pirates, they Ugh. get they get good good draft picks and just sell them. Like yeah. they, there's nothing. Okay, my thing that I would want to know. Um, I think part of me would want to know when I'm gonna die. Mm, I do not. I think I would. I think I would. Um, or at the very least, I would. I don't know. Because if it's gruesome that would be bad. I might want to know how I'm gonna die.
0: Uh, no. I don't wanna know that either.
1: Yeah, I think I would be I think I'd be interested in both of those things just because then I know like, okay, this is the amount of time I've got. Yeah. Um and if it's just like you got five years, like, alright, sounds good. Like I'll 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 really do different things in these five years. Um if it's like thirty. Yeah. I'd be like, Oh, I got some time. <laughs> <laughs> Although the way that Tyler works when, he, when given a yeah. deadline, he'll just put stuff off until the end. <laughs> so that maybe that's not the best. I was
0: sitting outside for, I'm going to throw one of your, your coworkers under the bus, mm-hmm. but I was sitting outside uh, waiting for you to arrive today mm-hmm. and the, your staff very caringly came out because I was sitting next to the preschool playground. Yeah.
1: Leering in cre- the windows. <laughs> creepy
0: old guy just sitting in the back of his car uh, and they came out to see who I was and I, I knew him. Uh, uh, Jason was was standing out there and i've known jason for a little bit and i said oh tyler said he was coming at one and jason said oh so like 115 i was (laughs) like
1: you got it nice you know nice well with that in mind i'm tyler (laughs) i'm jay and this is Rolling the the Master. things to talk about today mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that we were considering actually is relevant to we almost had to change our schedule today yeah jay tell
0: us about that so yeah i uh i had one overarching goal in this pandemic and i'm sad to say that as of yesterday i failed at my one overarching goal in this pandemic uh and uh, as someone who dislikes most things medical uh and invasive i really did not want to get a covid test I never wanted to have to be in the position to get a COVID test. In the beginning, all you saw was news coverage of how uncomfortable it was and people saying stuff like it felt like they were tickling my brain. And yeah. like, like I was just not down for that. Not even close. Like I don't, I don't want anything to do with COVID tests. So my whole deal from beginning of the pandemic until yesterday no COVID. was to be careful enough to never have to put myself in a position to need to get a COVID test. Um uh,
1: To just get through that,
0: and I, I I made it a pretty decent length of time.
1: Have you had one yet? No okay, so well, like my son had to have one early on, uh, and he managed it pretty well he he didn 't like shots or anything like that, but yeah. I watched them stick like nine inches of like swab up his nose, and he like giggled, and then that was it
0: yeah yeah well that's so the what led to the topic was and like, he didn't have it like that was the right yeah. At Laboratory uh, Presbyterian Church, Uh, we had a couple. Actually, I found out later. Uh, I only knew about the one at the time, but we had a couple positive cases in our midst, uh, and it was enough. It was enough that I was pretty sure I didn't have it. Uh, The especially the first case that I knew about was the person was masked the whole time. Uh, He was distant from me. I never spent a lot of time with him. Yeah. That particular day, but it was enough to be like, "Hmm, we should we should really chase this down." Yeah, uh, and be sure. So yesterday, I went to the lovely folks at MedExpress. I got there. A great at, place. I got there at twelve o'clock noon, and they make you sit in the car, and, and wait outside. And I called in to say, "Hey, can I get a rapid test?" Again, having heard online and done extensive research that the rapid test is a little less invasive yeah. than the. PCR test yeah yeah uh, so like I wanted the let's just swab real quick and find out and then if it's negative we'll move on with our lives yeah um, so when I called and said hey I'm here for a test at noon she said okay we're we're about two hours away from being able to see you I like, so I had two full hours to sit in my car and just be nervous about
1: what's it coming? so you sat there the whole two hours
0: I went to the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, okay. which was like across the street. But otherwise, I sat there for two hours and watched uh, Midnight Mass. Nice. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah, that's a great non-stressful thing to watch. Right. When yeah, I was doing great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: but terrified, just horrified the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And then finally, two o'clock rolls around. They call me in. And I said, again, feeling that the rapid test was less invasive than the brain tickler mm. I said to the technician the gentleman that was with me four or five times
1: rapid test like
0: I yeah. was making yeah making my point very yeah. clear uh, and then he, he's a, I I always try and warn the nurses and stuff like with shots and things like that yeah. I'm like I'm a baby and if I, you I'm know, gonna
1: scream yeah if yeah.
0: I flinch or kick you or something like that like please it's not personal um, and he's like it's okay it's fine and he's like talking me through it and holding my hand and promising me lollipops afterwards and stuff like that but he said, okay, it's just going to be two quick swabs per nostril. And I, that was my first like, huh, okay. He did it. It was fine. Yeah. I, I told Sarah afterwards, I wouldn't even call it uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. It was just. Your nostrils eh. were probably cleaner than they've ever been.
0: Yeah. After that. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, what I've got going for me is I've got big, huge nostrils yeah. and I'm very self-conscious of <laughs> it. <laughs> but like, oh. at least for this purpose, it like cleared the runway. Mm-hmm. Uh and so he said, after he did both swabs, he said, okay, well, we'll get the rapid one back, and then I'll send the other one to the lab. And I was like, wait a minute. So I actually had them both done. Oh, uh, man. When the doctor came in to say the rapid was negative,
1: yeah. um, we'll call you if... But the, the longer was positive?
0: Yeah. We'll call you if there are results from the positive one, or the, the longer one. Um, hey, do you know why
1: gorillas have such big fingers? I don't know. Because they have big nostrils.
0: hey <laughs> <laughs> I picked my nose. I'm sorry. I keep doing things that you can't see, (laughs) audience. uh, I picked my nose just there. But yeah, so it led to this whole idea of like, and I can't tell you how many experiences, at least in my life, are, I'm horrified, I'm horrified, I'm horrified, I'm horrified, I'm horrified. Oh, that was no big deal. Yeah. And it's just the pure fear of the unknown. Yeah. And and how that creeps up in everyday life. Uh, Yeah. It's everywhere. Absolutely. It's all over the place.
1: Well, and we're in the spooky season if you will yes. spoopy uh, where uh, this is the season of the unknown in a sense I mean like that part of what makes things scary. We've talked in the past about Halloween and how Tyler loves it and mm. and, uh, and Jay is also. Kind of a mild fan of it. No, no, Jay's not not a a fan of it at all. Oh, Jay loves it. Jay loves it. I couldn't. Jay's
0: absolutely all on board. What did you say the other day? You're right. October is the champagne of month. It's the champagne of months. We are in our glory right
1: now. For uh, which is amazing because my birthday is not in. Like you'd think that my birthday or Christmas would be in the month that is my favorite month, but it's this month. No, my birthday is November fifth, so it's very close. (laughs) So you still have time to buy <laughs> presents for me. Uh, Amazon wish list. Amazon wish list. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna do my playlist again this year. Yeah, we'll talk about that and about how I ask for songs on oh, Spotify. So it's forget.
0: always so hard. The longer I know you, too, it gets harder to find. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll work on that. Every year, I ask friends of mine or, or friends of the pod give me a couple songs, like just just song suggestions, title and artist. And I'll throw them on a playlist, and I'll title it the the age that I am that year. It'll be forty two this year. Wow! And uh, it's the meaning of life. It is the meaning of life. Today is actually the, the day forty two years ago today, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was published. It's such a good book. I know, and uh, it's such it's, a disappointing it's, movie. It's the forty two anniversary. Yeah,
0: Our, and we, that's the meaning. S- someone keep an eye that's on the life, dolphins the universe and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. keep yeah. an eye on the dolphins. I think the movie's fine. Anyway,
1: it's okay. the. uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh this season, part of what makes part of what I love about Halloween, part of what I love about being scared. we did a whole podcast on Fear. We did a whole podcast on Halloween. Check those out. Those are I don't know. I don't know what number they are. Early, early on podcasts are pretty good. Um, I think we did two on Halloween because we like did a corrective the next the yeah. next day. <laughs> uh, the the Part of what makes Halloween fun for me and getting scared, like I don't like being afraid, right. But I like being scared. If I could, if I could parse those out, the thing that I like is the unknown, hmm. and the unknown can be scary, and the unknown can be thrilling, and I like the thrilling nature of what is not certain. Yeah. Uh, and so the when you are uh, when you're a kid and you're going to sleep, and your room gets dark, what makes your room suddenly scary? is not because there's anything necessarily dangerous in your room. Right. But your room suddenly becomes a place where you cannot see everything. Yep, it's unknown. And so there's a lot of unknown parts of your room that weren't there before, particularly like your closet or things like that, like under the bed, the places where you really can't see something. And so as a kid, you start to internalize the fact that like, oh, I, what I could see very clearly before, now I can't see. And then your mind starts to think, well, if I can't see it, Anything could be there. Yeah. And if anything could be there it it probably could be a monster. Is. Yeah. yeah. It <laughs> could be uh like a birthday cake, or it could be something that's gonna destroy me.
0: It is as likely to be a birthday yeah. cake as it is a oh, monster. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. i found as many birthday cakes as I have monsters in my yeah. closet yeah. in the middle of the night, which is exactly three. Uh <laughs> for both? For three each. For both, exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. Exactly the same. And each time the monster was eating the birthday cake. That's true. Like that, they always they always just came together. Uh no but there's something about that that is really thrilling and and in a sense i think that that it speaks to why so many people love halloween and love scary movies and something is that we do like the unknown we like to be surprised and we but we like it in a, a kind of safe way like we right. like scary movies because they are no actual uh we are not in 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 literal peril right? when we have a scary movie. We like, uh, to to a certain degree, some people like the haunted houses and stuff because you know that even though the people are yelling at you and like shaking chainsaws at you that the chainsaw has no chain in it and that the people can't touch you that it may startle you but you go in knowing that you are completely safe. Right. It's the
0: same way with like roller coasters and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like I always think of like, you know, how many roller coasters have someone died on? Like it's a minuscule number. Yeah, like
1: one a season. Right. Maybe. (laughs) At Kennywood, it's like one or two yeah, people a summer. Maybe. Yeah. The know? chances of you being that one person, very, very slow. slow. Yeah. Very, yeah, very unlikely. But like, still, like
0: that scary prospect of like, oh, God, what's going to happen to me? But mm-hmm. like, at the back of your head, you know, no, yeah. I'm fine. The I'm
1: lizard fine. part of your brain is like, I'm okay. dying. And the rational part is like, no, I'm strapped into this thing, and yeah. I'm not going
0: to die. Everything's fine.
1: But it feels like it, and mm-hmm. that's exciting. And that we, I think that we are compelled by... The unknown, in so many ways, that we kind of we we like pushing that bruise, if you will.
0: Yes and no, because like so, this is the this is the natural outflowing for me today, Mm and some of the conversations Mm -hmm. I'm having today is we are pastors of the Presbyterian Church, and I'm sure this doesn't happen in your church. I know it definitely doesn't happen in mine, Mm -hmm. but we Presbyterians have a nickname called the Frozen Chosen Mm -hmm. because. We have a reputation, a very well cultivated and earned reputation, for not wanting to change anything up. Yeah, and delve into the unknown, right? Like, well, and
1: even theologically, it gets at the notion of like the when you bring predestination into it, which is this mm-hmm. this idea that God chose before, God knew before anything began. Uh, who was elect is the verbiage, and who was reprobate, which is, is very fun ways of saying like who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Right. Uh, and if not, it's already not created
0: set, by, but made famous by John Calvin, yeah. who has just the world class theologian's
1: beard, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that's the well, gold and, standard. And if the 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 whole notion behind that, the frozen Juden, was that the idea is like if it doesn't, if it's and and so in that theology it has nothing to do with us. It's only God. Right. God has done that. There's nothing you can do to change it nothing you can do to earn it like it just is and so people have then taken that and say well if i can't do anything about it then i might as well just like it doesn't matter what i do right and so that notion of frozen chosen is not just we don't like change but also we are not obligated to do anything because nothing we do actually matters right which is yes but no like the, <laughs> <laughs> like absolutely what we do matters it doesn't matter in terms of salvation but it matters in terms of right. making a difference in the world and, and being reflecting a reality that you believe that God is doing something yeah
0: and that you have a role to play in it like I mean I yeah. I, I, I have said a couple times this has come up a lot lately the last couple of weeks that like if there's a continuum theologically of on one side people are responsible for everything mm-hmm. everything you do mm-hmm. hinges on your action mm-hmm. and if the other side is the total predestination like God does everything and people have no agency like I am definitely closer to the God does everything side than mm-hmm. I am to the people do everything mm-hmm. side but that doesn't eliminate our agency in doing, in living out life, right? Like, yeah. we still have something to bring to the table.
1: Yeah. Well, and I would say, the, uh, to me, the way that I have kind of parsed it out, that it's been helpful to me. Like, again, all of this is unknown. So all of right. this is, this is still part of that, that idea. But I think that we have no role in our salvation, Right. Uh, meaning that that is completely up to God. We right. cannot save ourselves. It is it is the same thing as like a baby rescuing itself from a fire. Mm-hmm. Like, that baby doesn't rescue itself from a fire, can't do anything about it. And it's not the baby's fault, like, in that right. sense. Like, the baby has no capability to be able to do that. Yep. And so God very happily saves us. Yep. And then the agency that we do have is to recognize that we were saved not because we were better than other people, but because God is good. And to recognize that everybody else has that same opportunity to recognize that they have been saved. And so our role in the world is both a response to God, an appreciation of God has done this. Therefore, it frees me up from worrying about whether or not I'm good enough and being a moral, upright, righteous person. And instead, I don't have to worry about whether I'm good enough. I still should be good, but I am free to be selfless. Because we often operate out of a sense of like, if I give away my money, I won't have enough money for me. Yeah. But if you recognize your money from, comes from God, and God has given you that money to bless other people, and you can't take that money with you when you die anyway. So a righteous life and a good life is based on not how much you get, but how much you give. Yeah. And so if I spend my time and energy not worrying about my own security, but worrying on, about the needs of others, I can do that. So I am now free to do that and I have that responsibility but that has no bearing on my salvation Mm -hmm. but knowing that I'm saved allows me to help others and knowing that they're saved too allows me to help them in a way that it's not that we as humans don't get selfish be like I'm wasting my time with these people who who God has abandoned anyway so why would I give them the time of day like that or that we're trying to convert them or do something like that like that God doesn't operate in that no.
0: way. Yeah. No, no, I, I, man. This got more theological. I thought this conversation but yeah, 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 I'm yeah. good for it. Yep. Uh, I'm here for it. uh I think first, like the not the lack of desire to do anything in this life comes from a really warped view of our faith that says salvation and heaven is the end goal.
1: Yeah, like, and if, that it's about uh, us, right? The personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Right. Oh, I, don't, I, don't give me. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna put a pin in that one. We'll come back. Yeah, to we that. will return.
0: Yeah. Uh, but but if that's your end goal, then you can you can work out a theology that says, okay, God saved me, so I'm done. I can just sit back and watch Netflix until I die, and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Like that's not it. The relationship with Christ is the end game, and Jesus has made no small secret about where we can find Him. Right? It's among the least of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you did for that, any of the least of these, you did for me, because
1: mm-hmm. that's the way this works. So like, and like, who are the least of these? Oh. Glad you asked. The yeah. poor people, the right. widows, the orphans, Let the immigrants, it out the prisoners, you. the hungry, the yeah. naked. Like that's
0: So like, I mean, I again, you may have caught on at this point in the podcast, but I'm a bit of a nerd. Like the the um the analogy I use constantly with youth group kids is like when I was growing up and playing Mario Brothers, um, there was a cheat code that you could have endless lives. Mm-hmm. So like if you died in the middle of the game, you just got put back where you died and you start over again. So like mm-hmm. you can't lose. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you keep running into the same
1: brick wall over and over yeah. again. It doesn't mean that you win. Right. It just means that you can't lose.
0: It, it, it frees you up to play the game with reckless abandon. And isn't that what salvation should do for us? The is, game genie. Right. Of life. Yes. Mine was a game shark. Oh, game shark. Day, yeah.
1: Game genie, game shark to anyone who's younger than... <laughs> Forty-two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is the game genie was like a thing that you put in back when video games had cartridges yes you would put this extra thing that's that was not designed by nintendo no like it this was is definitely just like black hacking the game yeah. yeah that would open up all of these flaws in the game that you would hack into and like mess with the code so that you would have infinite lives yeah. or a bunch of good weapons or you could jump really high or things like that or everybody had big heads like yeah you enough. could yeah. do weird stuff with yeah. it too
0: but that's infinite life opens you up to reckless abandon. Yeah. And that's the response is like, okay, I'm going to do as much good as I can. And if I fail, okay. Yeah. Like, whatever. I yeah. just pick myself up, brush myself off. Well, here we go again. Yeah. You know, like, um, but to just be like, okay, I'm safe. So I'm covered. Let's sit back and relax. That yeah. feels to me like jumping off the same cliff over and over again.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's the notion of like, some people would see that the, what's the point in playing the game if you can't die? Like, if there's no challenge to right. it. The, and so those are the people that would be like, yeah, I'm just not going to play if I know that there's no risk. And the, that's the people that would say, like, well, if it's not about me earning God's love and God's love is given me freely, then what? Then it's cheap and pointless. And why would I want that? No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like, the, right. that, that there's a lot of people who, who refuse to accept a God that would love everybody. Right. Because they don't want a God that would love everybody. They want a God that would love exclusively. Yeah. And they want to be some of those exclusive folks. Yep. And so to pull the pin out of the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Here we go. So first off, there is nowhere in the Bible... Not one. ...where it says that you need to have a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's insinuations that we as individuals need to choose God, but the the larger, very direct implication is that we as a community choose God, that we do not choose God alone, that we do not follow God alone, that we are not called to be ascetic monks... And live in the middle of the wilderness. Well, no, okay. <laughs> and, and we are. And not. <laughs> there that are days that yeah, that feels there, good. You and there is definitely times where we need to retreat. Jesus does that; yeah. goes off in the wilderness. But then Jesus comes back and lives among people. And Jesus is constantly dwelling among people. Like that. That is, we are called to be together. And what God does is remove any impediments, any uh, understandings that our needs and our salvation and our safety and security is more important than the needs and safety and security of other people. Yeah, And the biggest thing that God does for that is the cross, which is freeing us from the notion that we are the ones who have to save ourselves. Yeah, And once we realize that we have been saved, once we realize that we have infinite lives, um, then we can play with reckless abandon. Then we can explore all of the different things. Then we can help other people in ways that, it's not costly to us right. on, a, on a grand scheme. No, and and so being called to be... Like, when we look at the salvation, that the concern that we should have is everybody being aware of this salvation that God mm-hmm. offers to all of humanity, Right. then it, it is a different thing than... It, it's not up to us to save people. Right. So we do not save souls. We can't do that. And it's not up to us to get people to pray some prayer to turn their life over to Christ. And, and there's not a point. It's like, when did you get saved? You got saved before time began, when yeah. God set everything up. It's not a choice that you made. It's, a, it's an understanding that you experienced. Right. It's Like when we first realized that, um, the, sun, that the earth goes around the sun... It didn't change anything, right? No, other than our understanding of the world, yeah. yeah. So you realizing that God has already saved you doesn't change anything in reality, but it does change the way in which you view the universe. Yeah,
0: and I, I mean, there is a place for evangelism, as yeah. much as we love that word. But to go back to your original analogy, like it's not going to save babies out of fires, but it's to, if you see a baby crawling toward a fire, say, "Hey, maybe don't do that." You know, like it, Just say it though. Don't actually touch the right. Baby. Don't Just do anything. Hey,
1: baby. Yeah. Don't <laughs> crawl towards that fire. Yeah. Stop. I tried to no, tell please. the baby. I tried to tell the baby, but the baby wouldn't listen yeah. to me.
0: And, and I'm coming. Uh, let's let's do Jay's hot takes for a
1: second because I'm. Ooh, I love Jay's hot takes. I'm fired up. It's my favorite mini podcast in the middle of the podcast. Yeah. Right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Jay's hot takes. It does need its own theme song. Here's your host, right? yeah. Jay. Uh,
0: so Jay's hot takes. You know, you would mention like it's like, going to be a Smash Mouth song, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Dang it. Uh,
1: Somebody.
0: I just can't win uh, but uh, you, you made a point earlier and, and and I very much refer you to uh, our good friend of the pod Dr. Rachel Jones on colonialism mm-hmm.
1: pre-doc Rachel Jones but yeah yeah
0: yeah I'm, I'm giving it to her that's I'm okay that's she's already right. uh, <laughs> uh, that colonialism and conversion in terms of evan- evangelism I can't talk all of a sudden for my hot takes is, is a negative thing and it very much is like that we instead of trying to you know, offer our view of the world to people. We tried to make them like us.
1: Yeah. I see it. It's a very human nature thing. Yeah. Right. But it doesn't make it any better.
0: No, it's just kind of, it kind of does some ugly things and we could go through all of church history to see how, how ugly it is. Mm
1: -hmm. I, the hot take is I think
0: evangelism needs to happen within the churches now. Oh yeah. Like I am really not that interested in going to Nairobi, Africa to, to save some people that have never heard of Jesus. I'm really interested in reaching into a white middle upper class churches to people who think they know Jesus yeah. and saying, nah, not quite, that's yeah. not it. You know, yeah. like the, the conversion needs to be not lifestyle or my religion can beat up your religion. It's gotta be like, it, it, it almost is the personal relationship with Jesus as it should be, mm-hmm. not the one that we've crafted.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Like mm-hmm. as if
0: we and Jesus were the only thing that mattered. But, like, you have to meet Jesus on some level.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's a change in your life, not so that you are now moral in, like, purity culture kind of stuff. It's a change in your understanding of what your purpose is. Yeah. And your purpose is not to save yourself. Your purpose is to reflect God in all things. And that when people would see your behavior, they'd be like, ooh, what is that person? I That person seems to have a freedom about them and a love about them that doesn't make sense. Yeah. not like oh that person makes an argument that i can't deny i have now been reasoned into faith like that just doesn't happen unless you're cs lewis like that that's just not the way really it works but no. we act like we're we put there's so much emphasis on apologetics and arguing and treating the world as though it's an enemy of christianity and we are oppressed and we must defend the faith yeah god doesn't need us to defend the faith god needs us to live the faith yeah which is love and that god is bigger than anything like, if God really is who we say God is, God is the creator of all things. God is love. God is trying to help people and not destroy people. And if that is who God is, then God doesn't need to defend it. Right. God needs represented.
0: represent it. Well, that's the great irony lately. So I probably used this analogy on the podcast before, but, like, there's a difference between belief and faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. the, the analogy I use is, you know, in youth ministry life, I frequently find myself at a camp doing a climbing wall, right, mm-hmm. where you have to climb up some mm-hmm. comically high thing and then mm-hmm. jump off it. Belief is when the the facilitator at the climbing wall says, this rope can hold 2,000 pounds. <laughs> yep. And like, okay, I believe that. Yeah. Right? Like, that's a fact that I can kind of play with and, you know, I only weigh 250 pounds, so 2,000 pounds ought to cover me, right? That's belief. Yep. Faith is when you're standing at the top of the tower, <laughs> strapped to that rope, yeah. and you jump off. Yeah. And you say, "Okay, I believe it enough to let it hold me." Yeah. And so much of American Christianity of the last however many hundreds of years has been us debating beliefs. Yeah. Has been us like, well, "The rope can hold 2000 pounds. No, it can yeah. hold 2005 pounds. Yeah. No, it can hold 2100 pounds." Like that's all fine and fun for theology nerds like us. Like that I can sit here and debate belief all day and that would be great but at some point you gotta jump
1: well and there's that great if you've ever been rappelling mm. which is even bigger than the jump thing yeah uh, so rappelling you start at the top and you, you're you hooked into a harness and everything like that and then you have to back off of the edge of the cliff yep. and there's a point at which cause you'll like stand up and you're leaning your weight against the rope but you're standing yeah and there's a point at which you are not standing anymore where now you are susceptible to gravity <laughs> and if you fall you will die. Yeah. Instead of just falling on your butt on the, on the ground that you're standing on and kind of going over that ledge is that transition from belief of course this will hold me to yep. faith. Now I now it costs me if it doesn't. Yep. Um, there's a great story that I'm sure I told in the podcast that's one of my favorite sermon illustrations and it's based in real this is a true story. Unlike many sermon illustrations like this, this <laughs> is a true story. I don't know the details of it of who it was, but uh, just really quickly and again I'm sure I told you this before, um, there was a guy who was a tightrope walker who would go over Niagara Falls. Uh, it would just do tightrope stuff, and he set up an exposition where he was going to tightrope walk across Niagara Falls. So he set up a rope on both sides, put up a bunch of publicity, and people all came out to see it because they were like, "Of course, this isn't going to happen. This is like a hundred years ago, two hundred yeah. years ago." Um, he's not gonna. He's make not gonna make it, it. And, go. and it's the falls. Like it's very wet, and so like like maybe he's a great tightrope water walker in the best of situations, but it's very windy and very like slippery. Like he'll fall. And so he's like, okay, I can do this. And everybody said, and he says, This is a credit. Do you think I can do this? They all say no. And, <laughs> and so he You've been great, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. He said, oh, okay. But no, so then he walks across and he walks back. And everybody goes, That's amazing. And then he says, Okay, I can now walk across with a wheelbarrow, like pushing a wheelbarrow. And they're like, Well, we believe that you can walk across because we've seen it happen, but probably not with a wheelbarrow, because that'll change the dynamics of the of the balance and everything like that. And he's like, Okay. And so do you think I can do it? No. And so he takes a wheelbarrow, walks across, pushing the wheelbarrow, walks back. And everybody's like, wow, that's amazing. You could do it. And then he says, okay, now I could put 200 pounds of rocks in this wheelbarrow. Uh And everybody's like, and he says, do you think you could do it? And everybody says, no, because it changes the balance and everything like that. It's a whole lot harder to push a full wheelbarrow than an empty wheelbarrow. He says, okay. And he walks across and he walks back. And everybody's like, that's amazing. And then he finally dumps out all the rocks and he says, okay, I can put a person in here and I can walk across. And everybody goes, "Uh, yeah, you probably can. Because we've seen you do it with the rocks. Like a person's probably less than the rocks. And it's the exact same principle. So yes, we believe that you can do it. Who's getting And then he says, okay, I need a volunteer. Yeah. And that's faith, is getting in the wheelbarrow. It's not believing that God can do it. It's putting yourself in the wheelbarrow. Giving up... And a wheelbarrow is a great example because you have no control in a wheelbarrow. If right. you've ever been in a wheelbarrow, you are trusting the person who is pushing you. Yep. Or like in a grocery cart or something like that. Like you are incredibly vulnerable.
0: How often do you spend time in the front of a grocery cart I these mean, days? I'm just asking. You know? I mean,
1: no, no more than the average person. <laughs> but that, so that, that the unknownness mm-hmm. of belief is what makes belief belief. Right. If it was certain, it is not belief. Right. Uh, if I am certain that uh, when I get in my car it will start, <laughs> like there, like that's less about uncertainty right. and more about belief. But if I was like, if I am getting in a plane for the very first time, and I've and I've never seen a plane work before, uh, there's a lot of faith yeah. that has to go into that. Once I've flown on a plane 200 times, then there's a lot of evidence that I'm going to be safe. I no longer I mean, a long time ago, I stopped being impressed by planes taking off, which always kind of bothers me. That's kind of one of my goals is, like, I always do try to stop and, like, just pay attention to what's going on here because it's pretty impressive that yeah. we as humans have figured out how to get this metal thing to we get are up flying up into the sky. Um, I think that th- this – the whole notion of belief and faith um, really gets at uh, – it takes – Even like that, that physical sense of being in a wheelbarrow is also the emotional sense of what belief really is. Like it's not just a physical thing; it is emotionally saying, "I am not in charge." Yeah. So it's recognizing that you're not even in charge of your own salvation. It's not. I believe that I've done enough. Like oftentimes we think of faith, we treat it like we would the night before a test. Yeah. I've studied enough. I've done all I can. Or I. Didn't study enough, but at this point, I, there's nothing I can do about it. Like that, the attitude that we go right before we go into a test is oftentimes how faith is talked about that we have done the work yep. and now we are just hoping that the judge will deem us acceptable. Yeah, that is not how God works. No, no that's not it is it. not a test. It is saying that I believe that God is good, yeah. and so when I get in this wheelbarrow that I have no control over and it has nothing to do with my ability to have been prepared for this, it's about trusting. The, that the person who says I will be safe, yeah, is going to keep me safe.
0: When it's it, yeah, and I mean to just keep playing with that that analogy, like, and again, I I feel like I'm sounding like hermogeny, and I'm not. Like it, it's it's just having served churches long enough, right? Like we try to feign control so much mm-hmm. that it feels like what we're doing is installing, uh, you know a steering wheel in the wheelbarrow and like a yeah. cup holder and a radio. Just like, and like, the, like the baby
1: carts where right. they have the little, the little race car. Right.
0: Yeah. And like, like to the, the phrase that comes up a lot in fall planning and stuff like that is part of why I'm so frustrated at the moment with it is like, well, that's not the way we've always done it.
1: You got like, that right. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah.
0: it's not. And faith is not repeating the same formula over and over again because it worked before. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me feels like trying to put a steering wheel on the wheelbarrow. Uh, I can control this because it worked before right like it, it felt like a faithful thing to do before but it's really not putting any trust in anybody beyond yeah and yourself. yeah we
1: trust that God is doing this but really we should probably yeah, it's be doing us it. yeah, yeah we sh- we should help god out The god kind of needs us right. to, to be part of this take a
0: left on the tight rope you know yeah. god like trust us it's good real faith is stepping into the wheelbarrow or letting the rope hold you or whatever of the yeah. analogies we've used and we are so reticent to do it. In spite of the fact that in all those examples like every time I've been attached to one of those ropes, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Like there's some good fear once
1: you get past the point where where you now you go from faith to belief. Yeah. In that sense where it's I now can see that this is working. Like maybe it will break while I'm halfway. I'm still halfway down this thing. And I'll feel really safe again once I get to the bottom. But I have passed the point where it's not clear whether or not it's going to work. Right. Like I, I, have, I have taken the leap of faith and I have not yet died. Yeah. So the, rope, the rope is yeah, holding. The rope is doing what it's supposed yeah. to do.
0: And so now I can do like flips and stuff in yeah. the air. like, Because I have a certain amount of reliance now on the faith piece of mm-hmm. it. Um, but so few of us are willing to go there because, again, it, it is unknown. There is going to come a moment in life. And it may be, it, people always jump to the like, well, I'm not going to sell everything I have and be a missionary. Like, yeah, yeah, that's probably not what you're getting called to. Like, Yeah. Not you know, everybody can do that. Very few people yeah. can. Like, you might, however, be called to be more generous. Yeah. Um, you might be called to befriend, befriend that neighbor that nobody else likes. You might be called to pick up, like something that feels impossible at the moment, but really is just two quick nose swabs that don't hurt you that bad yeah. and give you a stronger peace of
1: mind anyway. Well, and know? a big thing of like that sell all you have and go to the poor for a lot of people, like that does mean something to everyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't literally mean that everybody needs to sell all they have and go to the poor. This is how we rationalize scripture, by the way. So yeah, we can still be comfortable. But <laughs> I, uh, um, <laughs> it's called I said Jesus is reading mm-hmm. into something. It's like, I wanted to say this, so I'll make it say this, but um, let me, so let me do that for a second. Uh, no, I do think that the, that, Literally, not everybody has to do that. But what it is telling you is that nothing that you own is yours. Right. And so even if you aren't literally giving everything up, you need to give everything up emotionally so that you recognize that your goal in life is not to protect your stuff. Right. And if your stuff is getting in the way of your relationship with the poor or the people who need help, then, then that's a problem. Yeah. And so when Jesus says anyone who wants to gain their life must lose it, he's not saying you have to die. He's saying you have to be willing to stop protecting your life. Right. Your life doesn't mean anything if you aren't willing to protect it. I've got... Uh, so I am wearing one of my favorite pairs of shoes. Oh. These are my boo shoes. Oh, thanks for showing These are my Halloween oh, shoes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They come out. So these are my Adidas. They're Adidas, uh, like... What is this, like... The, the old basketball shoes. They're like campus, I think. Yeah. But um, So they're black and, and orange. They are Halloween shoes. I call them my boo shoes because they literally have a ghost on the bottom of them. So sweet. Ghost on the inside. They are awesome, awesome shoes. Uh, they are probably 15 years old at this time. Wow. When I got them, they were limited edition shoes. When I got them, I was accidentally sent two, two boxes of them. Double and boo I, shoes. Double boo shoes. I, I wrote back to the company and said, like, hey, you sent me two? And they said, Guess what? You get to. Yeah. And guess what? I've got one pair that I wear and one pair that I've never worn. Nice. And that sounds fantastic. But for 15 years, I've had these shoes that I haven't worn. And having shoes that you don't wear is like not having shoes. Yeah. So I'm wearing these, like, and these ones uh, are are not in great condition. Like they, they look like shoes that I've been wearing for 15 years. And I keep thinking, well, at any given time, like, is this the year that I crack up with a fresh pair? Mm. And sure, like, it's nice that I've kept them clean. But I also, like, the shoes I'm wearing currently, like, don't feel like they, they have run their course. They're ready to get rid of. And so, me having that spare pair really means nothing if I never use them. Right. You having, s- like, saved your resources so that you can help people mean nothing. If, if you, you aren't willing to help people, yep. yeah. You having abilities that God has given you that can be used to help people see God's goodness mean nothing if you don't use them to help people see God's goodness. Right. And if you are someone who has, is frustrated by the church and what the church has represented and the voices in the church that make it seem as though your own morality is more important than your ability to help other than other people's well-being, and you aren't willing to use your voice to change that narrative, then it's like having shoes yeah that you never wear, keep in the closet yeah yeah. Like so that's we have this obligation to not just be critics of the church, which the church deserves all the criticism. Sure, but if we really want to be the change that we want to see in the world. We need to be that change. And yeah. God has given us the ability to do that, but we aren't willing. And it takes that leap of faith. It takes going over the edge. It takes going into the unknown. Yeah. And we are in this season right now. So this is part of the reason why we're all this, not just from the cotton swaps and stuff like that. But we are in a very scary place in the church. Yeah. And it's scary. It's in the same way that I characterized the beginning of, as to why I like Halloween. It is both scary and that it feels dangerous but it's also scary and that it's thrilling. Yep. Because we don't know we are in a dark room and we don't know what's out there. Yeah. And we are desperately and, and one of the frustrating things as we've kind of opened back up is that churches are desperate to con- to jump back to what they used to be. Yep. yep. Because it's comfortable, because it's what we know. They want to turn the lights on and know exactly where they are so they don't have to change anything. Right. But not possible. That's not possible. No. Nope. And so okay. we can be terrified And we can be scared, and we can react like we do when we're scared, and we can kind of circle the wagons Mm -hmm. and get real defensive and feel like everything's against us because we don't know what's out there. Or we can explore. Yeah.
0: And that's to your point of like being critical of the church. Like, (laughs) growing up, my dad, I am a notoriously picky eater. um, And and it was even worse when I was a child. And boy, has God ever had fun with me and the children that he's given me. But that's another story. picky eaters. Oh my gosh, it's oh so man. bad. And if I'm saying that, you could yeah, take that to the oh bank. Um, but I so much of Not my them Domskis boy they'll uh, eat everything. It's great. So much of my life, my childhood was my dad saying, "Oh, you should try an orange," and me protesting greatly. And his comeback line was always, "You don't know what you're missing." Yeah, that's true. And, and oranges and, are great. And it, I'm I'm on team orange now, right? Yeah. Like so, so so much of it was like living into, oh yeah, he's right. The criticism of the church isn't because we we were frustrated that we're blowing it or, I mean, I am, but it's when you're on the other side of faith, when you're letting the rope hold you and you see people just standing at the bottom mm-hmm. of the tower, not even trying. Yeah. You don't know what you're missing. Yeah. You know, like this is fun up here. Yeah. We're not calling you to sacrifice. We're not calling you to hurt yourself. We're not calling you to do dangerous things. We're calling you to have fun. And that looks a whole lot like yeah. giving to the poor and taking care of the least of these. And And, but you don't know how much more alive you can feel. Yeah. When you do that stuff, well, and here's the
1: hard part of the analogy that is also true is that, um, let's say, so we're n- let's not use the repelling thing where it is the kind of life and death, but yeah. let's use like a getting on a bike mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like I'm familiar. Yeah. yeah. So you've been on a bike a couple times, and you have been on a in a bike wreck. Yes. Yes. A couple times. You can't ride a bike without being in a wreck. Yep. You can't ride a bike for very long without being in a wreck. And no one wants to wreck their bike. Mm hmm. But once you've wrecked a bike, you know what it's like to wreck a bike. Yep. And you know, well, I can... And then I can get back on on the horse, proverbially, or on the bike, literally, Yeah, and ride again. Well, yeah. And sometimes that when we get f- afraid, we can use... We can justify, like, why would I get the vaccine when I know that people who've gotten the vaccine can still get COVID? Yeah, that's like 1% of right. the people. And they don't go to the hospital. Like, so... Right. But we use the examples of times when the rope didn't work, right. when people did fall as rationale as to why we shouldn't do that. What if I sell everything I have and give it to the poor and then I'm poor the, and then the, and then mortgage rates go up yeah. or like I get sick and now I have medical bills that I did. Like we, there are very good reasons to not use the resources that God gave us because maybe one day mm-hmm. I will need that. And what if nobody gives me stuff? Well, that's why you should give stuff now because maybe somebody's going through that right now. But yeah. that, so that's the the hard thing is it's not just a binary of like oh you should try it it's fun. Yeah. Like you may try oranges and hate them. Right. It, and that's okay. Right. Maybe you're allergic to oranges, and not only do you hate them, but it's bad for you to eat oranges. But you won't know what's good yep. unless you're willing to try.
0: And that's part of that's part of the reason why. So like one story I have from biking, just to keep running our metaphors into the ground. Mm-hmm. I crashed once, um, and I was fine. Like I had some scrapes and bumps and bruises or whatever but i wrecked my bike Mm -hmm. like my bike was totally bonked you know like just the handlebars were bent i had to take it to the shop Mm -hmm. but i have this rule in my head because i know that thing exists that once you're in a crash there's a real likelihood that you're just like okay i'm done Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i'm gonna put it away so like i had to call friends like a day after my crash and say can i borrow your bike to go for a five mile ride i just need to get back on the stupid thing so that this doesn't become a thing later in life because that paralysis can get real yeah, real fast like crashing is part of cycling like if you ride a bike for any length of time yeah you will crash yeah you'll probably
1: be okay yeah like it most of the the sooner (laughs) you get back on it the sooner you can remember what it's like to ride a bike instead of what it's like to crash a bike right there was a I, i think i've talked about this in in before but for it's a too long of a story, but I got punched in the face when I was in high school. No way. Uh, and I deserved it. Not by the guy who punched me, but I deserved it. <laughs> but but I, I don't know if you've ever been punched in the face. No, I've not. It doesn't feel good. No, but can't having happen. been punched in the face, I now know what. And there's probably other people like, of course, Tyler got punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can imagine that right now. Uh, I've only been punched in the face once, but having been punched in the face, I now know what it's like to be punched in the face. I don't want to be punched in the face again. Right. But I know what it's like. Yep. And so I know that being punched in the face feels like this. And so the fear that I have of that thing, the nice thing about experiencing something that you're scared of is you now have a clear frame of reference for what it feels like. Yep. Why, why we don't like shots is not because of the actual shot. It's the f- buildup yeah, to it. 100%. And getting the shot doesn't feel good, but once you get the shot, you know like, oh, that's what a shot feels like. Yeah. And so the, the fear of the unknown often is worse than the actual thing yep. because we can't imagine what it would feel like that, that's why the suffering of Jesus, the worst suffering of Jesus happens in the Garden of Gethsemane, not on the cross. It's when he is literally sweating blood because he is so stressed out yeah. about what is coming, and he prays to God, please, can we do anything else? But I know that you are good, and I trust you, yeah. and I'm going to go over this cliff because I trust that the rope you said that's going to hold is going to hold. Yeah. And that to me, is the most helpful thing as a human being because most of our fear is not about the known. It's not about the monster that's right in front of us. It's about the monster that might be in the shadows yeah. because the monsters we can see, while they can be terrible and monstrous, at least we understand them, or at least we can see them. We may not understand them, but yeah. but a, a fear that is revealed is, even though it's terrible because it's there, it's better than a fear that is unknown.
0: Yeah, Which is why uh, we, we can rapid here but like this is why i get so frustrated with some people who use the very powerful line i can do all things through christ who strengthens me but they're using that confidence to like i don't know get through a pta meeting yeah, or, or you know
1: or score like 25 in a basketball game
0: right yeah. like i can do all things through christ. like stop it i you can c-
1: achieve i can lift these weights and yeah break this personal record
0: all true yeah. but you can also do all things as in that stuff that scares the crap out of yeah. you about what new future the church yeah. has in front of it, or, or the what... stuff
1: you just don't want to do. Not right. even that I'm afraid of, but the stuff that I'd just rather not do. Yeah. Like, I can be nice to this person who's a jerk. And it's not that I'm afraid to do it, it's just I don't really want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the unknown is just is less about fear and more about just like, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> Straight up resistance. And it's easier to know this person as a jerk and therefore someone I could ignore rather than to know them as someone who's scared and broken yeah. and has reasons why they're acting the way that they're doing. And they're just a human being who's who's scared like me. Yep. And really, if I get to know them as a person, then I might actually care about them. So it's easier to just label them as someone who I disagree with politically or someone who's made moral choices that, therefore, they belo- they deserve what they're getting. Like If I can characterize them in as little a way as possible, then I can be afraid of them. Yeah. If I can emphasize the unknown of them, Instead of the note, that's why, like, we just, uh, it was, uh, uh, what was the day? National Coming Out Day? Or mm-hmm. National, just the other day. And that's a big time when uh, allies come out of the woodwork to say how they're allies, and which is really important. But, I mean, there's so many stories of parents who became allies when their kid came out. Yep. And that there are so many people who their allyship is is formed by knowing someone who is experiencing something yep. and that we are so selfish, like just kind of human nature is that we, s- we experience life through our own eyes and it's hard for us to understand anything that is different than our own experience. And that's why it's so important to be in community. That's why we're not called to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're called to yeah. a communal relationship with Jesus Christ, that how we fit into the community and how we understand the community, because Our suffering is not the only suffering. Our experience is not the only experience. There are some people who will never have to wonder where their food is coming from. And that doesn't mean that other people don't experience that. And that just because you have never had to struggle doesn't mean other people's struggle is not valid. And yet, we cannot see past our own noses in that sense. And so we have to get to know other people's experiences. Because once we do, that unknown is changed. And then once we make the unknown known, then... Their joys can become our joys. Their struggles can become our struggles, and vice versa. Yep. If you want to be loved, you have to be known. Yep. And God promises us that we are known, and when we believe that, we have the freedom and the strength to trust that God actually loves us, yeah, and that we could be loved by others. Which,
0: incidentally, I keep saying, it, you know, last thought or whatever. But like, incidentally, you know, back to mission stuff. Like, that's why I go on mission trips. Yeah. It's not to have some sort of colonial white savior thing. It's, I don't know the people of Malawi, Africa. Yeah.
1: So let's go find out. Yeah.
0: Let's go see what life is and like what, for them. And how
1: can they help me? It, yeah. I mean, not in a selfish way, but like, how, what is it that they can, like, it's not just to know them, it's also to be known by right. them. Right. That there are so many things about myself that I, know because of my friends. Both showing, both affirming things that I didn't see in myself and helping me to correct things that I also didn't see in myself. The unknown on both of those things. Like, I have abilities that I was unaware of that accepting affirmation from other people gives me the confidence to use those abilities and to to do the... Like, sometimes, like if someone has a great singing voice but they never sing in public and then they finally sing in public and someone's like, wow, you have a great singing voice. You should do that. That affirmation takes away the unknown of like, do I have a good singing voice? Now I can do this. Also, someone who's like never stops talking or never listens to people sometimes being able to have someone point that out to you to be like, Hey, do you realize that you just are not great at paying attention to people like that? We need to have that unknown be made known to us. Yep. And we can only have that known within the context of community. So it is important for us to have people that not only can listen to us, but that we can listen to them. That knowing someone is just as important as being known. Absolutely a men a woman
0: Uh, so uh, on the Twitter machines or the Instagram machines I here's my question uh, because here's what I felt like and no one said this outright to me but I knew that uh, many of my friends who I was confessing my fear of the, the COVID test had had several and were going quit being a baby Uh, and again no one said that outright but like it was one of those like why are you scared of this and then getting to the other side of it i went why was i scared of that yeah yeah dear social media friends what is that for you what's the thing that you hype up in your head even though you kind of in the back of your mind go everybody thinks i'm dumb for this yeah what's the unknown thing that you're like oh boy um, we all should, have
1: it we all have it
0: I was gonna say because that totally validates it right like it's still a scary thing yeah even though other people have done it a thousand times and it's no big deal like but recognizing that in yourself I think helps what's a, what's
1: a stupid fear that you have beyond things being stuck up your nose you want a stupid here's a stupider fear that I have yeah I don't like calling people on the phone Boy, I hate it. Yeah, I absolutely and I don't know why. It. Like, there's no real, there's no good rationalization Like, I'll put off calling people on the phone like yep. way too long for, a, for whatever reason.
0: This is a horrible season in church life because yep. I, I, and part to challenge me and part to take it off them. We are nominating new elders and deacons mm-hmm. in our church, mm-hmm. and so Presbyterian polity in like 30 seconds or less. There's a committee that has to nominate people to serve on other committees, which is the most Presbyterian sentence you could ever utter. Yep. Uh, but I offer, I did last year and I offered this year. I'll call. And everybody yeah you just give me the names and i'll call people yeah i hate it tyler it's the it's worst the, it's the worst it's, it's the, worst. the absolute worst
1: that's when our introvert really comes out yep. is when it comes to calling people on the phone and so there's some people there's many messages. people out there. Is like what do you mean you're like just call people on the phone it's not a big deal and guess it. what every time i call somebody on the phone it's not, it's a, big deal. Yeah. It's not a big deal yeah. i don't know why i have this fear Uh, It's like I go to bed every night and I think there's monsters in my closet. But every time I look at my closet, I know there's not a monster. Like it's, it's, I have a hundred percent rate of never having a bad phone conversation, never having a conversation that's worth being afraid of. I've had bad phone conversations, but never one that's worth being afraid of. Right. And yet. Every time. Every time. It's
0: like, it's like, you know, fresh every morning. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is still shots. I don't like needles, but here's, and this, I almost brought this up in the main body of the podcast too. What's been fascinating is being able to work through that lately because, you know, COVID plus Mm -hmm. it's probably a good idea to get flu shots in this season and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Oh, I need to get flu shots. Shots have been a part of my life in a way they hadn't been for a while. Mm -hmm. Shots, 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 shots. Uh, my first flu shot I got in the middle before there were vaccines, like uh, in forever. I don't think i have had one since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But it was also right after I got this tattoo. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> so like, I uh, was sitting there. He's,
1: he's pointing at a uh, posse tattoo yeah. that he has on his on his back.
0: Yep. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it took a while. Uh, but I like great Malenko. This tattoo was an hour ish of somebody shoving needles into my arm for a reward. And it's a totally different needle. Like, you don't see it. It's not quite as scary. But, like...
1: It also... I would say it only hurts when it's touching your skin. Right. And like, unlike another shot where, like, it's a little sore after that. The yeah. The tattoo... For me, tattoos weren't sore after that. They'd, no. It just hurts sunburn, while it's happening. But, yeah. like... Yeah.
0: So, like, sitting in this Rite Aid mm-hmm. waiting room trying to hype myself up of, this took an hour. What you're about to do takes a second. Yeah. And it's roughly the same pain. Like, yeah. just get through it, Jay. You know? Yeah. So... You did it! I did it, a couple times, and I'll do it again if the booster shots see, go, see, you know, see, come around. But.
1: Any uh, so anything to plug? Today? You
0: know, oh wait, you do go first because I need to look up the title. Line.
1: Oh okay. Well, I would like to plug uh, Ted Lasso. I know you had, I haven't <laughs> watched it. You, have you watched it yet? No, not yeah, yet. Not you should really watch it. It's only half an hour episode. Like yeah. so, there's there are what I think 24 episodes, so 12 hours of TV. Yeah. Uh, that you can enjoy with your wife. Like, I'll this is not it. like yeah. stolen hours that you have to watch. Like, this is quality time. It is a show that feels good. I've heard it's characterized, I've heard this uh, uh, the, the Good Place, uh, Parks and Rec, like the last four or five seasons of Parks and Rec, and like Schitt's Creek. Um, and, and, and this, but no, uh, it's out there. yeah uh, and so, <laughs> But all of those are shows that teach you how to be kind they are shows about people who are being kind to each other and ted lasso especially is a show about people who like they do a great job it's not schmaltzy per se uh like i thought it was going to be it is it's they push the bounds of believability but right to the edge of still being believable you don't have to really suspend disbelief it's just that every character makes the right choice Mm -hmm. almost every time anyone they make the wrong choice they will then go back and make the right choice. Like, and it, and it is, there's not really bad guys. There kind of are bad guys. But the people who should be the bad guys, who should be the antagonists, are accepted by the people that they hurt. Like, it's mm. a show about forgiveness and about grace and about community in a way that is so beautiful. I cannot wait until we can talk about Ted I, I, So you I, have I to solemn watch solemn
0: pledge. Yeah. Not before the next episode yeah. comes out, but, yeah.
1: but soon. Yeah, soon. soon. I just finished season two last night. And it was so good and it was like it has a it has an ending that is that i'm glad that there's a third season coming let's say that it's not completely resolved and it's and it's sad but it's great it is a great show it is it it, and it's the show that tyler has needed this year like it's it's really it's a feel-good show also i'm very ted lasso in all of the positive and annoying ways that that is the case (laughs) um it, it's a great show. It's a great, great show.
0: Apple TV Plus. For Apple those, TV yeah. Plus.
1: You can get yourself a, if you don't want to pay for it, you can get a month free and you can just burn through them all real yeah. quick. And like it'll be a year before season three comes out. So if, you, if you're if you waiting, if you're holding on to that thing, now's the time. Burn through a season of uh, Ted Lasso, or two seasons of Ted Lasso. Uh, highly recommended. Yeah. Go for it.
0: I will uh, plug. I've been reading more lately or trying to which is part of the reason I haven't been watching Ted Lasso but the book I'm reading now is very much I thought about it like six or seven times during today's episode Yeah, uh, it's called More Than Enough yeah. by Lee Hall Moses Ooh. and the, the subtitle is Living Abundantly in a Culture of Excess
1: Ooh.
0: Uh, so when we were talking about like the, the balance between sell everything you have and give to the poor mm-hmm. and live mm-hmm. extravagant lifestyle mm-hmm. really trying to balance this out in this book uh, nice. so if, you're, if you caught that in our discussion today yeah give it a read
1: a couple other quick ones what we do in the shadows great show to watch right now it's about vampires hilarious (laughs) it's like a fake documentary about vampires season three is out right now hilarious um i think that's it (laughs) 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 i felt like there was like music and stuff but it's like all it's stuff i've already talked about so like yeah go watch some tv and read that book
0: Mm. And if you really want... I've gone off the deep end. I've created a Spoon artist radio station on Apple Music. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I don't do Spotify anymore like the cool kids, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, that whole genre of, like, 2000s indie rock... Yeah. That was a golden age of music.
1: Texas indie rock. Yeah. That is Spoon. Oh. The, the cool part of Texas. It's so good. Yeah, so the good. elusive cool part of Texas. It's, it's like, this big in, in a sea. <laughs> it's of, big enough. It's big enough. Yeah. yeah, it's just surrounded by Texas. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, anyway, um... Yeah, so I guess that's enough. I've been Tyler. <laughs> I've been Jay. <laughs> and this has been Ruffing, Ruffing the, Pastor. the Pastor. Have a great week, everybody. Uh, <laughs> enjoy Halloween candy. We'll see you next time. I on Ruffing the Pastor. The a weird way to end. No.